At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. I've never been this nervous in my life. Greetings from Longtime No See the Podcast. Every week we'll be inviting two blindfolded comedians to answer a series of questions about their careers, lives, and opinions. Now, let's remove those blindfolds and start the show. Hi! <laughs> what would your opening line with your celebrity crush be? Loved you in Harry Potter. <laughs> Worst date you've been on? A man bit my neck mole off once. You did what? A man bit my neck mole off. Oh my god, Jack almost fell off his chair. <laughs> be sure to follow and subscribe to the podcast. So you want to be a rock and roll star? No? Well, how about a podcast star? Well, as it turns out, there's a new all-in-one platform just for you. It's called Anchor, and it's the easiest way to make a podcast. And check this out. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. And then Anchor will distribute the podcast for you. So it can be heard on Spotify and Apple Podcast and, you know, everywhere else in, uh, in podcast land. And what's even better, you can actually make money from your podcast. Go figure. Uh, no minimum listenership on that. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So go ahead. Download the free Anchor app right now or go to anchor.fm to get started. So what are you waiting for? Podcast stardom is within your reach. Not all that glitters is gold. Half the story has never been told. Because righteous is governor. Come take a musical journey. From the suburbs of Long Island to the ghettos of Kingston. A heartbreaking overdose. A disturbing discovery. The last chance to redeem a stolen legacy. Broadcasting live and direct from the rolling red hills on the outskirts of Kingston, Jamaica. From a magical place at the intersection of words, sound, and power. The red light is on. Your dial is set. The frequency in tune to the Rootsland podcast. Stories that are music to your ears. In the reggae anthem Get Up Stand Up, the Wellers sing, not all that glitters is gold. Half the story has never been told. My friend Brian always dreamed he could make the world a better place. Maybe by me telling his story, he still can. Consequence Podcast Network presents Rootsland, Season 1, Reggae Junkie Joe. Whole barrage of righteous people out there. Because sometimes the story is the best song. It's easy to hear your favorite artist on WFPK from wherever you are. Listen on your smart speaker, live stream from our website at WFPK.org from Louisville Public Media. Consequence Podcast Network. Hey, welcome to another edition of uh, Kyle Meredith with the interview series presented by WFPK at WFPK.org. Consequence of Sound, the Consequence Podcast Network. I'm Kyle Meredith. 
Uh, thanks for uh, making your way to this series. If first time here, if it's your latest time here and you haven't hit that subscribe button yet, it's a, it's a good opportunity right now to take that chance because you're in store for something really, really great and you're going to want to hang around and you're going to want to hear the other interviews we put out. In fact, it's three brand new ones every single week. Uh, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. So this is the opportunity to keep up with all of your favorite artists. Uh, discover some new ones. Know what's happening in the music world. I'm talking iTunes and Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Acast, YouTube for the video versions, or wherever you get your podcasts from. I'm Kyle Merida. Today, my guest, Wyclef Jean. We're going to be diving into the details behind his new podcast series called Run That Back, uh, his latest Bob Marley cover for Amazon Music. We're also going to dive into the 25th anniversary of the Fuji's masterpiece, The Score, and why it still speaks to us today, as well as what a third LP from the group uh, might have sounded like. Wyclef is going to take us back to his past to tell stories. Uh, one of my favorite moments in this interview, disguising Van Halen songs in his church, uh, as well as starting out as a jazz musician while wanting to be a composer. Then we bring it into the present with his recent 2020 singles. It takes a much broader look at issues outside of the U.S. Uh, Wyclef's also got updates on his Netflix movie, uh, Prince of Port-au-Prince, uh, scoring season four of Showtime's uh, The Shy and the Soto Mood Lab, which he's been working on, as well as the uh, little bitty tease, little bitty tease, he says, of something about Haiti. So, enjoy this. This is one of my all-time favorite interviews, uh, just instantly. It's Kyle Meredith with Wyclef Jean. What's up? Let me just start by saying, I see a guitar behind you. What kind of guitar is that? I can't actually, I, I don't know. That's the first guitar I ever got. My uh, my grandpa, who, who passed away a few years ago, he gave that to me um, because he played. And I, it's it's it's, it's a, a pretty generic guitar is what it is. Because it looks amazing from where I'm looking at. Yeah, let me see. I can uh, pull it up here. Hang on. It's uh, yeah, Guitars is my thing. This is a, he was a truck driver. Uh-huh. And he played, and it's a beat up cheap guitar he just bought somewhere. Okay, that's, yeah. Yeah, I, and uh, so crazy. I started off with guitars. Oh yeah, well, yeah. he he told me I needed to learn because I had long fingers like him, and um, and so I learned how to play "Smoke on the Water" with my thumb. Okay, but, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's not about me. Uh, I appreciate you doing this. You've got so much going on. In fact, you've been doing a lot of this lately. I've been watching some of your recent episodes of uh, the podcast that you've been keeping yourself busy. Uh, called Run That Back. And it's so interesting, the conversations that you're having here. Why did you start this? Was it just out of like pandemic boredom? And, and what are you getting out of it so far? I think a lot of us artists, we definitely suffer from pandemic boredom. Let's start with, um, it's so crazy. I would say like the life of an artist, like who's a performer, like, like you know, you love writing, but the the rush, dude, that you get, like when you go on that stage, the rush, is just, it's so missed and the warmth of the connection with people. I don't care what anybody say. Um, and that goes for all of my peers. Like, I don't care if it's like from a, a Jay-Z to Morgan Heritage in Jamaica. We all feel the same, you know what I'm saying? Like there's a constant miss, I would say artists probably miss. But the podcast for me, I said, it's not really a podcast, it's a conversation. Um, we call it Run That Back. What I was inspired to do, there's a show in London called Live with Jules Holland. 
So before the COVID, I was like, I wanted to start off these Wyclef jam sessions in my house, like sort of like Daryl's house vibe, you know, like the Caribbean food and my peers, if they're in town, they just come in, um, whether sports figures and um, musicians. And we just have like these crazy jams. And I wanted to do it like a webisode at first. So COVID happened. And when COVID happened, I was like, nothing should stop us from having conversations at least because with the technology, we're fortunate. And so I just lined up um, a bunch of people that I'm super cool with and some that I just met. And I wanted to make it super diverse from directors to producers to, you know, um, to politicians, because, you know, my music reflects all of it. So it came out kind of cool. The one thing I, I really liked about it these days, you know, post-internet age um, and, and especially podcast age, there it's really easy to demystify an artist. And, and some artists really want that, you know, like this, I'm just a regular person type of thing. And, and you know, we all know that. Yeah. But the thing I like about yours is it doesn't exactly do that. Everybody I watch on that, I still think you guys are gods of, of you know, arts still by the end of it. It's really interesting. Yeah, well, I always say, um, that's why I said I'm good at conversations, not an interview, because it's sort of like, so what, what I do is the way you hear us talking, that's how you talking. That's how we talk when you don't see us. You know what I'm saying? So if anybody would be like behind the wall, and observing how, you know, whether if I'm with Steve Harvey having a conversation or Gunner or Lena Way or Shaq, this is just how the conversation goes behind the doors. And the idea is, I remember, man, when I was like in high school and they always was like, oh, so-and-so is coming to your school. And it'd be like some super big shot, you know what I mean? And I'm in the hood and they'd be like, yo, this big shot is gonna come give you inspiration or whatever. Whether they're a ball player, scientist, lawyer, musician, you know, I, I literally like fell asleep in the first two minutes because I don't want to know about your success and your accolades. I don't give a shit about none of that. What I want to know is, can you give me a piece of advice? Because I'm working in this pizza parlor and I'm a musician and I just want to quit, but I know I got what it takes to make it, you know, um, and that's what's incredible about talking to my peers. They give the people like Clive Davis, who's one of the, you know, he's um, like a godfather of mine, probably literally one of the biggest moguls in the world, period. And from Whitney Houston to Carlos Santana, just Google this dude, he's a, a beast. And how did you get there, Clive? And when he's talking about the Brooklyn and, and the Brooklyn in him, and he's giving all of this information, because for artists, the key to it is you can't do one thing. You have to make it a 360. Like you, cause you know, everybody and a mama and a mama mama and a mama 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 is a singer. It has a new tech invention. Is the best ball player and like the best cook. So this is like every, so you, for you to stand out, you really, really got to put it in, you know? No, it's it's really fun kind of finding those little moments all, all throughout these conversations that you've been having, but also getting the background, you know, uh, where everybody came from. I, I want to tie that to something you just did because, you know, you talk about, you know, some influences here and there. And of course, the latest release, I think that you've just put out is a cover, cover uh, Bob Marley's Is This Love uh, for, for Amazon. And I know from Marley, I mean, this is someone that you've been carrying the torch for for decades now. And and I think this is an obvious question, but why does his music still speak to you enough 
to keep, you know, playing those songs live or recording those songs? Yeah. So I cover songs that I wish that I wrote. And Bob Marley is one of my idols as Dylan is. So Bob Marley, I connect with him because coming from Haiti, it's like coming from the way he come from Kingston, you know, and growing up in the favelas, you know what I'm saying? Like with the gun and them, you know? the, you know, grow, growing up with, with the gunslingers, you know, like, you know, growing up where the village has a cemetery right inside of it, you know, and the way that you escape poverty is through imagination. You get me? So Bob Marley music just naturally connects to me. And so leaving Haiti, coming to America, I lived in the projects, Marlboro in Brooklyn. And being like the oldest one um, out of like four at the time, it's sort of like if something goes down, they always like they're going to get their bigger brother. You feel me? And it don't matter if I weigh a buck 50. I got to handle my business. So I have cousins that are locked up that ain't coming no, out no more. Some are deported, you know, some. And it's crazy. So when I look at the Bob, so I even try to run to become president of Haiti. And I wouldn't do any of that if it wasn't for Bob Marley. So for me, Bob Marley represents a revolution and it's a it's a different revolution it's not a revolution of arms it's a conscious revolution so for me it's very important within this modern age when a when a kid named young thug has a song called why clef jean it's so important that the way that his song is called why clef jean it's the same way for me um doing a bar marley cover it's like just i have to constantly put that out there so people never forget, like the true revolution of Barb is the consciousness, the, the, the factor of love. And I felt that we was going through an era where we needed to get back to that. Yeah, the one thing I appreciate about Bob, that I appreciate about you, that I find the similarities in, like, so different from you, I grew up in rural Kentucky, you know, in the middle of nowhere. It wasn't a social justice thing that I was hearing through his message till much later. It was the types of music that he was introducing me to, not just reggae, but also types of folk. You know, that's, that's what I heard through your music as well. I think because of my age, I probably heard you singing No Woman, No Cry before I heard Bob Marley singing. You know, that was just the, the influence there. But, but that's been something like it's, I don't like where did that come from for you as you alluded to at the beginning of this interview because it wasn't that you've just stuck to one type of music you've done it all you know whether it's in hip-hop whether it's in rock whether it's in folk where does that come from that entire gumbo comes from the church so my father was a minister and a nazarene church so we grew up like in this gospel nazarene church where it was about worship but um there was a thing like you couldn't play secular music so if you was listening to anything other than what was in the church, you literally would be sanctioned. Do you know what I'm saying? So you couldn't play instruments or whatever. So, um, so we used to sneak to listen to everything else with the vinyls. And the cool story is being that the uh, denomination literally just spoke Creole in French and they understood a few words in English like Jesus savior so what we would do is we would listen to all of this mashup so like we could go from like an eddie van helen jump 
to uh to Pink Floyd Wish You Were Here. And so now when we playing in church, um, we just wanted the music to sound cool because we didn't want to like play what everybody else was playing. So literally, as long as we knew the congregation heard the name Jesus, we would get away with it. So I'll give you an example. So we'd be like, go ahead, jump, jump for Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> so it started like in the church being, you know, you have kids who love to be on video games. I love the vinyls. I love to be in the stores where the vinyls is at. I love to be in Sam Ash. At 15 years old, I was already playing like over eight different instruments. And a music teacher discovered me at 15 playing piano in the auditorium with my bubble boost on. And she was like, where did you learn that? And I was like, I hear this in my head. And she was like, do you know how long it takes to learn these chords? And I was like, no, nah, I just play at my daddy's church. She was like, tomorrow you're starting jazz. And I was like, I'm not doing jazz. That's for old people. I'm gonna be a battle rapper like LL Cool J. And so tomorrow was the day she put me in jazz. It turned my whole life around. I learned Miles Davis, Bitches Brew, um, also fell in love with Gershwin and Quincy Jones. Then I was like, okay, I wanna be a composer. So the idea for me in the beginning was like, I wanted to be like the first Haitian composer to ever play Carnegie Hall. That was my dream. I had no other dream. I wasn't trying to be fit. I didn't even, all I knew was like, if I can become like this crazy jazz musician, I can be the next thing. And so everyone that's listening to this, it's so funny because years later there, I did play Carnegie Hall. It was why I clef and friends at Carnegie Hall. So definitely check that out. But I've never heard music in a box. I don't really know what that means. So when someone says this is rock and roll or this is country and you know, this is rave, this is, my brain never registered it like that as a kid, which is weird. It just registers it like this music is cool and I don't like this kind of music. <laughs> you know, I, I know this isn't exactly what you're talking about there, but you still, you know, as far as genres goes, you did predict something you saw it coming uh you know one of the greatest songs that i uh, that as far as i care is gone to november it's one of my favorite songs of all oh, time man. yeah there is a line in there where you say uh hip-hop turns to the future rock i mean it's like you saw it coming that the flip was going to happen that you know yeah. what was reigning supreme in the mainstream was about to happen why did you know because you were completely right hip-hop turns to the future rock is a smash of pumpkin um well what happens is the thing that rock had where, so as hip hop kids, right? We still rockers. And I think that that's the part that people did not understand at the time. Like we still was punkers. I think that they didn't get that at the time. I think that because of what, um, how the media portrays it, right? And the separation of music, right? It was hard to go, okay, He's listening to, is that Bob Dylan sitting in the chair of the Y Clef Jean music video? What the heck is his connection with Dylan? Like, they're not like seeing this yet. You see what I'm saying? And then, so what I want people to know is like, when we say like we hip hoppers, right? Like understand that that's the culture, that's the way of life. That's how we come up. Now, the idea of what music we're listening to, right, is, I don't care if it's Too Short or Wyclef Jean or E-40 or Gunner, we all know Nirvana. Like, this is so important. Like, 
I know Yes, owner of a lonely heart. And I know how Yes came from classical music to orchestrate into rock. You know, we know Metallica. And I think that when I said like hip hop's, the, you know, like the, the, the future is coming, the future, I was speaking about this gumbo that you see today. Like, so when you hear like a trap kid and you hear the melodies, you can go back on a punk record and you will hear these melodies, um, the lifestyle, the fashion, like the movement, like look at Young Thug's cover and a dress that's like David Bowie, you know what I mean? So all of this, um, we saw it coming because the gumbo, the true gumbo of rock and roll is like part of hip hop. And I think that when we talk about Little Richard versus Elvis, like you could go on, when you telling me about the blues, man, I don't separate, you know, Muddy Waters from Johnny Cash. Like it's, you know, or, you know, um, so that's just how I saw it, you know? Which was completely evident. I, I'll back up a little bit too, before Gone to November and, and the Carnival record, uh, we should bring up because uh, the score, the Fugees, a masterpiece of a record is on its 25th anniversary this year. Yeah. And all of that was evident in there. And again, you know, coming from a kid, a white kid in the middle of Kentucky to have an album speak to me so hard as, as what that record did right there. It's probably a, um, it's probably an obvious question. I'm going to go ahead and ask it because it's an obvious question, but what made this a masterpiece? Why does it still connect today in the way that it does? Well, I think that one thing about the Fugees that people don't get was the mixture of culture. So you had Lauren from the suburbs, like straight up in, in, the, in the suburban like area. And she literally would come to the hood, the booger, where, you know, our neighbors was the, the alley rats, you know what I mean? The crack house in the back with the baby kids. You know, then you had like me and Prize who were in this gospel church, you know what I'm saying to you? So I think that, and at the same time, they used to call us thug nerds. Right, because they'd be like, yo. So I think that whether if you was like this, if, if someone was like a nerdy kid or someone was like in the hood, you know, we literally, there, there's like, okay, zealots, right? So take the song like the zealots. And um, let me see if I can remember this. I said, I haunt him sees like Mephistopheles, bringing swords of Damocles, secret service keep a close watch as if my name was Kennedy, right? So Mephistopheles, the first time, I heard that was on the police synchronicity. That's the mm -hmm. first time I heard that word. And I went in the dictionary and I was checking it out. And I think that's where we connected without us knowing each other, because it's sort of like you was hearing words. You was hearing sounds as if it was like, is this shit Pink Floyd, the wall? Or there was there, this was like the first hip hop album where you would hear certain words and you can click with it and identify with it. Um, even like dudes on real high level of chemistry when I'm like, you know, measure planets by parallax. You know what I'm saying? Like, like dudes is like, even like today, like when I see like, you know, kids who's like my friends today, like, you know, the nerds that are driving, taking like, you know, um, rockets to space or working in NASA, like friends of mine. And they're like, yo man, this line right here, it was sort of like the score was the bridge between the suburbs and the hood and putting it like we have AI today, but this was before the AI could put the thug and the nerd together in one brain. <laughs> it did. I mean, it, it worked so well. It, it's still working today. 
And to look back, and, and then obviously we have hindsight at this point, but to see you all did, you put out a masterpiece and then it was gone. Everybody went their separate ways and, and you've all gone on to do amazing things solo wise too. Uh, I, so I'll ask um, hypothetically, what would a third album have sounded like from the Fugees after that? I think that the, the, the thing with the Fugees is the power is that the reason why the score still resonate because we said we're not going to do music, we're going to create a movement. Mm -hmm. So I think that the reason why a lot of, think about it, like Lauren went on and did the Miseducation classic album. I went in and did Someone Please Call 911, uh, Hips Don't Lie, Maria Maria. All, so those kind of uh, songs I knew wouldn't fit on a Fuji album at the time. So we, we spaced out. I think Looking back today, um, I think like a third Fuji album would definitely be in the realm of eclectic because that's always what we've been. I think it would just be a continuation of that 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 New Orleans gumbo. <laughs> well, I'll skip ahead more to the present these days. Then um, again, you did a, a handful of single releases last year, and all of them were very powerful. Of course, all of them were speaking uh, to what was happening all around us that we were seeing. Uh, the one thing I'll put you in that I didn't see other artists doing, and I'll pick out a song, uh, Immortal. You know, here's a song that's released at a point where all of us as Americans are very um, into ourselves, maybe had our own head up our asses. We're not paying attention to the rest of the world anyway, you yeah. know, because there was some big shit happening here. Uh, that wasn't the case with Immortal. I mean, you were looking out, you, you were looking at bombings in the rest of the world, and that's not that's 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 something that you've always done as well is to make sure that you're talking about things that are happening well beyond our borders i guess could you talk a little bit about that song and, and what it means to what's happening uh you know still going on right now yeah so once again you know to my idol bob marley you know or i haven't even mentioned bono from you two which i should another one of my gangster brothers um right so the thing about America, right, is that when we are outside of America, we want to come to America because we hear this is the greatest place on earth. When we get to America, right, and despite what people may say about us or whatever, and because sometimes the negative is amplified so much that you can't find a form of positive like we have in this conversation here. I think that the true America, like the actual core of America, like actually in this modern day society, my daughter who's 16 years old living in America, if something is happening in Lebanon and a bomb goes off through the power of the internet, they see everything much faster now. And I think that what happens is in America, we only get a few news channels and these news channels cater towards the the user, like the person who's watching it. So you're not gonna be watching CNN and it's gonna be like, oh, now from Africa, you know, this is what happened. A bombing just went down because, you know, at the end of the day, or you, you, you're not gonna be watching, but at the same time, when you outside of America, everybody else reports what's happening in America, right? right. So I feel that us as artists and us as musicians, us as painters, us as scientists, it's important that we give a global vision of the world because some kid in Alabama might not be paying attention to what's going on in Lebanon. And remember, a long time ago, 
people felt like we as Americans were invincible and that nothing could come to our shores, right? And then I say it and I'll stand by it, for America to constantly be better and get better, the rest of the world have to be better. So at the end of the day, if you want to stick out your hands and want to help different people, the first thing they're going to do is look back at your house and says, well, how is your house doing? So when they're looking and we look at the idea of, you know, uh, an officer who takes his knee and he puts it on, 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 uh, on the neck of a black man who's screaming, he can't breathe and for his mom. And we can't address that. And we can't say, you know, we need reform. We need, they need to be a, a, a paradigm shift, you know, then we doing ourselves is disservice as Americans. Because when we look, whether if it was Kennedy, whether if it was Martin Luther King, we can debate about who was good, what was not right. But we've come a long way from slavery. And my daughter, who's 16 years old, is America right now. And it's, oh, oh, my, you heard my wife? My wife says she's 14. She's 14, my bad. She, wait, she's 15. She's about to be 16. All right. So my daughter, that's, yeah, let, let's not make her go too fast. That's about to be 16 in March. She has views and it's very interesting views. It's very powerful. And at the end of the day, she has debate, the heavy debates with her friends from the suburbs. And guess what? At the end of the day, they're friends and they continue having that conversation. So why can't the right and the left do that? Right? Why can't we find that space of bipartisan as we move forward to work with each other, right? Because no matter what anybody wanna say about the constitution, the way that we got into the constitution, everything that you hear that they say, I never hear somebody say, look, we got to the constitution because of a bipartisan front. And this is very important, like debates, give me liberty or, you know, give me, give, you know, give me, Give me liberty or give me death. You know what I'm saying? I got my wife. She's a historian in the back. <laughs> so it's sort of like to get to where we have to get to, conversation is okay. Debate is okay. What's not okay is for us to intimidate each other and to use violence and silence each other voices. That's not cool. I mean, the one thing that becomes more and more clear and it's unfortunate the time that we're in is when people do come face to face, usually conversations, real conversations actually do and can happen that we've seen. And here yeah. we are, we have just been in a year where that's, you know, exactly the opposite of what can really happen. But, but as a songwriter, you know, it's not that, of course, nothing's, not everything's fixed right now. You know, it, it's not like what's been happening in the past few years is suddenly, you know, with Joe Biden, uh, the switch is flipped. But as a songwriter, what do you expect to be writing about? I don't know if that's a question you can answer off the cuff, but you know, is it is it sort of the same as what you've been writing or do you see a turn in in the style and in, in, the, in the message? Well, I think as a songwriter, um, the number one thing is, you know, the music that we write, passion, romance, love, peace, the idea of how we can get love conquers hate, depression, mental health. All of these issues as a writer doesn't go nowhere because we're inspired as humans to constantly elevate within the genre. So at the end of the day, if she wakes up and she pop pills every day and that's her motion and that's how she moves, Sally got a one track mind, right? So how do I talk to Sally? 
And how do I, I make Sally want to go to a rehab? You know what I'm saying to you? But without telling her she got to go to a rehab, right? The only way I can do that is to tell Sally I was once like you, right? So at the end of the day, you ain't doing nothing that I haven't tried. So it's sort of like, but I don't want to see you die. You know what I mean? I think I'm writing the song right now as we speak, by the way. But <laughs> but I think, yeah, there's, there's a lot of stuff to constantly talk about and keep talking about. So as songwriters, we're fueled and we're inspired by the human. And I think this is important for people to know that. And the messaging will continue. So after, after Trump is Joe Biden, right? After Joe Biden will be the next. After the, will be the next. But we as writers and composers have a lot of work to do. And I think that when we're looking at it, we are at a, a, a nation that still needs to be healed, right? At the end of the day, you got people that follow Donald Trump, right? That love Wyclef Jean. And you got people that follow Joe Biden that love Wyclef. But then say like Wyclef says something about Trump, then all of a sudden it's like, F Wyclef, we don't like Wyclef no more. You get what I mean? So, but then they still do like me, right? But because of the politics and the rhetoric, it gets to that. And I'm just saying like, at the end of the day, music can always have, I always say like through music and through sports, there's always some form of unification that can happen for sure. With all that then, do you know what comes next for you? I, I want to point out a few things too. You've just uh, been part of um, uh, Vic Menza's Shelter which was, uh, uh, you know, great stuff, what you're doing. Uh, you did. You teamed up with Fallout Boy on Dear Future Self, Hands Up. That was great. A couple of years now, or a year or two, what is it? Then we had uh, Back to School Volume 1. You working on Volume 2? What comes next? Well, what comes next is, you know, I'm focused on the score for my movie, Prince of Port-au-Prince, that got greenlit with Netflix. Um, it's going to be crazy. Big budget. It's. I'm excited because... Anybody who saw Lion King, anybody who's seen Aladdin, who's seen Rio, welcome to Haiti, baby. I am about to, and I say from age six to 12, how we escape poverty through imagination. And remember, when we was 10 years old, we saw movies that later when we was 18, we can still watch that was animated and mm -hmm. took us back. So I am going to give you the, it's, it's loosely based off how we escape poverty through imagination. Um, so uh, we're moving forward with, with this. I'm very excited. Um, I'm also scoring season four of The Shah um, for Showtime with uh, the great Lena Waite. So when I'm looking on my wall and I'm like 51 now, so where does Wyclef want to go? Keep in mind, Quincy Jones did not do Michael Jackson Thriller till he was 54. So I want everybody to know this is actually chapter two of Wyclef. We just getting started. Y'all can look at my Instagram. I'm still sexy. I'm actually more sexy now than I was younger. I'm still fly, <laughs> baby, the chocolate man. Um, I'm excited about the field of scoring music. Um, and any uh, body that's listening to this that are composers, right? It's very important. And artists, I want y'all to listen to this. Since the pandemic, the rise of streaming has gone up for not just music, for film. So there's a high demand for music for films. So what I did was I created what is called Sodo Mood Lab, which is the first jingle and scoring company of diversity. And 
want to start to represent composers of diversity. Like we need more female composers. They're out there. Why are they not getting? So look forward towards this platform. Um, and also, I don't feel like when you look at the scope of scoring music, I don't think it's fair to the minorities. And I think that they all should get, it should be like fair shot down the line. So excited about those years. And um, we have some big news coming up about Haiti, which I can't say yet, but um, I'm very excited where the future is going. Yeah, look at that, full circle. Back to the uh, the teacher who who introduced you to jazz when you said you wanted to be a composer after all of that, and here you are, you're a composer. And you've yeah. always been a composer for what it's worth. We know that, but yeah. now it's got that, uh, that's, that stamp seal of approval on it. Definitely, it's, it's so crazy. The first movie I ever scored was Life, Eddie Murphy and Martin Lawrence, which was nuts. Um, I remember Adam Sandler for uh, 50 first dates. I did a song called Baby, then there was the movie Hotel Rwanda, great film. Um, I had got nominated for an Emmy and lost to Mick Jagger. And I told them I would be back. If I'm gonna lose to anybody, it's Mick Jagger. All I did was make my ego go up, baby. So I'm back for my Emmy, my Oscar. Y'all gonna have to give me everything y'all gotta give me. I'm pretty, I'm bad like Ali. <laughs> That's a nice reference here because he's buried just right down the road from me. This is uh, Ali right here in Louisville. So don't be better than that. Wyclef, this has been a lot of fun. It's been an honor uh, completely. I mean, you are one of my biggest musical heroes. Thank you so much for everything that you've pumped out into the world in over 30 years now. Uh, I so appreciate it. And thank you so much for taking the time to talk about it today. Thank you, man. I appreciate you and everybody listening. All right. Take care. We'll see you around. All right, King. Thank you so much. My thanks, Wyclef Jean, again. Uh, there is a new Bob Marley cover for Amazon Music you gotta check out. There is his podcast series, Run That Back, and there is no shortage of music to dive into from his uh, recent and classic catalog. Big thanks to you as well for uh, checking out this episode. Do hit that subscribe button before you get out of here. Again, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Acast, YouTube, where you can find the video version of this one as well. Anywhere you get your favorite podcast, just hit that subscribe button. I'll bring you three new interviews every single week. After you subscribed, head over to WFPK.org. That's where I do a show Monday through Friday, 6 p.m. Eastern. It's an hour full of song premieres, music news, anniversary spins, bonus interviews, Again, uh, Monday through Friday, 6 p.m. Eastern at WFPK.org. Consequence of Sound Has Your Music and Film News. You can also find me on the social media spots, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. All three of them, at Kyle Meredith. Please do like and follow along. That does it for another edition. I'm Kyle Meredith. I'll see you next time. Consequence Podcast Network. Hey, I'm Jen, and I love horror movies. I'm Mikey. I'm dead inside, and I also love horror movies. And we really like to torture our friend Todd because he hates horror movies. That I do. And that's why they call me the horror virgin. <laughs> that's the only reason we call him that. I'm not, no other reasons at all. You Whatever. So every, <laughs> every week, we take him through the encyclopedia of horror, the good, the bad, the ridiculously Jack Frost. <laughs> and then we make fun of it more or less. Or explain its deceptive 
feminism. Oh. Yeah, exactly. That's what I do. That's my thing. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm the funny one. <laughs> <laughs> Our episodes drop on Monday, so check us out. It's easy to hear your favorite artist on WFPK from wherever you are. Listen on your smart speaker, live stream from our website at WFPK.org from Louisville Public Media. This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.